everybody. Welcome to another episode of Everyday Strong with Dr. Michael G. Daniels. This is your host, C.B. Baker. And I would like to thank everybody that supports us on um, YouTube and on SoundCloud and on iTunes. And please, if you have an iPhone out there or an Apple product, please check us out on iTunes and leave a review so we can get to the top of that list so people, other people outside the church can be able to hear um, the good advice from Dr. Michael G. Daniels. Um, welcome to the show, Dr. Daniels. Uh, good, good, good day to you and good day to everyone who may be listening or, or watching us. It's a beautiful day. And um, I, I know that there are some good things that we're going to be discussing today that um, I'm, I'm sure will help help people with their, their general walk through life. All right. So today um, we have the topic of uh, praying in the spirit. You said you had a, a person from congregation come up to you and say, hey, we'd like to know what it, we're supposed to do or, or what a subject or topic I should say, mm-hmm. on praying in the spirit. So, Dr. Daniel, so please give us insight on praying in the spirit. Sure. Now, I think, you know, where it came about was, you know, as we were um, doing the, the morning service, uh, the 11 o'clock service, um, the, 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 the thing that we were looking at was how to pray to get a godly result. Because if you're going to pray, you, you want to make sure that you, there is a, it's an effective, you know, prayer that you're getting what you're you're praying for. So how does that come about? And and so during that time, um, what we were noting is that there are some aspects of prayer that one needs to incorporate in order to make sure that the communication with God uh, is, is effective. You know, it's just like if you're talking to anybody, effective communication is, is essential. Uh, we recognize that in our daily walk, you know, you recognize it in your marriage, for example. You know, if you're talking to a couple, one of the first things they'll say is, you know, we don't communicate well. Right. You know, a manager is talking to employees, you know, you, the communication, if you have the communication is disruptive or whatever, you don't get the job done. You know, you don't have horizontal and vertical communication, you have, you have a problem. Right. And so, and so, and that, in the process of prayer is the same thing, or my relationship with God is the same way, is that. Well, I need to have that communication. I need to have that effective communication. You know, so I need to know: Am I communicating horizontal? Am I communicating vertically? And and is it is it an exchange? You know, am I allowing it to flow evenly? And so again, uh, so in, the, in in that in, in doing that that session, what we talked about was uh, in communicating with God. Uh, I, I must always acknowledge um, the superiority of God when I'm communicating with Him. You know, um, because it's like in anything, if you approach by your child, you don't expect your child to speak to you as if they're speaking to a peer. You know? Right. And the same thing with your employees, for example, even though you all are grown, you should expect them to acknowledge you, you know, right. as, as the manager. And as a parent, you're always quick to say, don't talk to me like I'm one of your little friends. Absolutely. Right. That, that's not the way it goes. And so and so if you if they if they approach you in a way that does not acknowledge that. Already, there's kind of a, a, a feeling of wait a minute here. You know, I can't believe you're going to ask me for something the way you just talked to me. Mm-hmm. And so you're already poised to say no. Right. You know, even though what they ask you for may be something that's okay, but if they approach you wrong, mm-hmm. you're already poised to say no. Right. And so, and so that was the essential thing. The other thing that you know we looked at is that when you're praying, obviously, also you know you, you have to uh, approach the matter understanding that, you know, if I'm going to ask God for something, right, am I going to ask God for something that I know he doesn't want me to have? You know, like, 
will a child, uh, will an eight-year-old come to you and say, Dad, I want an AK, you know, or I want an AR-15. Well, wait a minute. I don't care how much I love you. I'm not going to buy you an AR-15. You know, AR right, right. So, you know, am I asking for something that I know is within, is, is the will of God for me anyway? And and, and, and so when I formulate my prayer, I, I must approach him right, right? I must make sure that what I'm asking is uh, uh, with something that I know it is his will for me anyway. But also I must understand and recognize something and that the way God will provide for me is maybe not the way the world suggests I should be provided for. You know, you know, for example, the way the world looks at benefits is this. Um, I want you to give me enough so I can make sure I have enough for tomorrow because mm-hmm. I don't trust you, right? basically. So I don't want you to just give me, like, for example, when you get paid, you know, you don't, you don't want your employer to pay you enough for today. Mm-hmm. You just know, I want you to pay me for the entire week so I can manage my own money, so I can right. put it in the bank, so I can do these things. But really what it amounts to is a matter of trust. I don't trust you not to pay me all my money. I want it right now. Right. So, but with God, it's different. Is that um, it is a day by day benefit, you know, because they, you know, and, and that's where God blesses us on a day by day thing. So, as we're talking about that, and, and, and well, how do you get those godly results and why? Uh, uh, one of the things that the person came to me and said, Well, wait a minute, Pastor. Well, what you just said seems so, I mean, you know, it, it seems so down to earth is good, good, good thing. So, what about praying in the spirit? How does that? Come in account, you know, and, and 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 does that get you more? I mean, she didn't say this per se, but that's what I was getting, you know. Does that get you more than just a regular prayer? Well, let me say first of all, no, it does not. You know, number one is that when Jesus um, was teaching them to pray, he was teaching them a prayer that was saying, "Hey, this is the most effective way for you to communicate with God." Okay. So now we look at praying in the spirit, there are two aspects of it that most of the people don't consider, but there are two aspects of what we might call praying in the spirit. One is when it is from inside out, one is from outside in. Okay, then how does that play out? Well, the Bible says in, in the book of Romans that there are often times when um, because of my ignorance or because of my position that I will not pray for the things that I ought to pray for, you know, just like a child right. will oftentimes ask for things that they should not ask for. Right. Or, or, but what the Bible says is that the spirit then, and that's what I call outside in spiritual praying, because the spirit then will make intercession for me. And so the spirit will be praying for me and, and through me to God. And the Bible says that in that instance, that the Spirit will pray because the Spirit knows the will of God better than I ever will know the will of God. Mm-hmm. But the Spirit does that for me. The Spirit intercedes for me. The Spirit connects with God for me. And because God is connected with the Spirit and the Spirit is asking for that which he already knows God wants for me, then I'm going to get that prayer answered because right. the Spirit is the one praying for me. So that's one form of praying in the spirit, but it's really from the outside in because the spirit is the one that's, you know, implementing that and making that happen. The other thing, what I call the inside out kind of spiritual prayer is, 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 as Paul noted in the, uh, in, 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 uh, um, first Corinthians, when, uh, this, it was dealing with speaking with an unknown tongue or praying with the unknown tongue. 
And, and so uh, there was a feeling in the in the in the in the community at that time that if you prayed in an unknown tongue, it was a more powerful way of praying. And so Paul said, actuality, no, that's not the case. He said that if you pray in an unknown tongue, uh, it's true that, you know, you're speaking to God. He said, but praying in an unknown tongue is just a method so that no one else will know what you're asking God for. Right. You know, that's really all he said it is. But what Paul said, I would prefer if you didn't do it, you know, he said, because praying in an unknown tongue in a public place only benefits you. And he said, you know, so when you pray in an unknown tongue, he says you're edifying yourself. But if you pray in 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 in, um, in, in language that everybody understands, then you're edifying God. So those are really the two differences in, in, in praying in the spirit per se. One is when the spirit is the one doing the praying through you. And one is when you yourself are praying, you know, inwardly out to God, but praying in an unknown tongue. Well, that explains that. I, <laughs> I just don't have any more questions on that one. <laughs> you had that one uh, pretty much uh, nail on the head. So um, I'd like to switch gears here to the other topic that we wanted to, um, to discuss, which was um, backsliding. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I thought about this because I was sitting in church and, and I was saying, you know, how many, how many people in here have started coming to church, dropped off the face of the earth, so to speak, for us church-wise, and they come back and say, okay, I want to get back into it, and then they make about two more months, and then, then they fall back off again. Well, how can we pass the stop that cycle of backsliding in general and anything that we're trying to do? get accomplished in our goals well you know i, I can tell you i um I, I can i can give you some opinions about it uh, right I, I i you know if if i had the uh the answer then there would be a book in the bible called michael <laughs> okay <laughs> because even if you read the bible um it is clear that the children of israel were always in what we would call a backsliding condition they were right. constantly you know in and out of god's graces Right. You know, per se. Um, I can tell you why I think people do it. You know, I, I, I think that uh, for some reason, uh, people get confused as to why they come to church. You know, and I think that's the biggest thing. And, and a part of that is because of, I think, uh, how pastors continue to court people, you know. It's almost as if, you know, pastors tend to feel like they're not effective unless they can fill up the pews, per se. The irony of that is, it is the opposite of what the Bible says. In fact, Jesus said that that, that, that the road to heaven is a very narrow road, but the road to hell is a very wide road, <laughs> indicating that very few will actually get to heaven, but a whole lot of folk on bus hell wide open. And if you look at the Bible in general, what you find is that the number of people that stayed steadfast to God's word was always a small number. It was never most of the people. And, and so it would indicate to me that most of the people don't really want the truth about God's word. Now, here's why I'm saying that. If I'm going to a concert, for example, my primary reason for going there is to be entertained. Right. That's why I buy my ticket and I want entertainment. If I'm not entertained, then I don't go back anymore. 
Well, unfortunately, you know, we have positioned ourselves so that we expect to be entertained when we go to church. And especially with the new contemporary movement, if you notice the contemporary churches, uh, it's filled with lights, cameras, and, you know, and all those kind of things, dancers, and it's an entertainment thing that we, that people are getting. So the thing is that that's not why the church was established. It was not established as a place to be entertained. It was established as a place for us to come and acknowledge who God is and to worship him, right? Right. But that's people don't come for that reason for a lot. They, they come not to worship, but they come to get something, not to give something. You should be coming to give God something, not to get something. And so oftentimes I hear people say, well, um, I just don't feel like I'm getting anything anymore. Well, but that's not why you're supposed to be coming. <laughs> you're not coming to get, you're coming to give. Yeah. Right. So you should be coming to give God back what a worship that God has given to you. Right. Now, if you're not coming to worship him, then you're right. You do feel like, why should I be here? I, I, I'm not doing anything when you're showing up. That's because you're not worshiping him. You're not coming with that 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 heart to worship God. So I, I get what you're under, I get what you're saying is people basically are not coming to church for the right reasons. And I guess I'm guilty of that too, because sometimes I like I don't, I don't want to hear the praise team. I don't want. I'm not really that into gospel music. I just want the, the message. I want I want 30 minutes of what Dr. Dan's gonna give me to help me get through the rest of the week, or something to ponder on, or or, or study in the Bible, and then move on. But that's it's still that's me getting right and not giving. Right, and, and that's just one aspect. So that, I'm just saying, that's one reason why I think people kind of back up sometimes. The, the, the other thing is that because, unfortunately, what we don't appreciate is how smart the devil is. Extremely smart individual, or smart entity, I probably should say. Mm-hmm. So, so what does the devil do? Again, I think a, a look at the Old Testament is really um, the, the, I guess, the epitome of why people backslide, for example. The devil knows how to convince us in, 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 in no, no uncertain terms why it is okay not to come to church. Right. You know, and, and, and that's what he does. You know, it could be a number of things. It could be the people that are sitting two rows across from me that, you know, but I don't want to be around them anyway. And they just phony anyway. Right. So I can, I can stay home and I can, I can praise God from home, you know. It could be that the usher said something you didn't like. Right. And so because the usher said something, they're a bunch of hypocrites. So <laughs> therefore, I ain't coming no way. Right. You know, it could be you get ready to park and somebody, you know, cut you off in the parking lot or, you know, someone says something to your child. So therefore now it's, well, see all them demons up in there. I don't, I'm not going to associate with all those demons. Right. Well, you know, that's the devil giving people excuses why they should not come. And so they accept the excuse and they say, well, I'll just stay home. Once you stay home two or three months, it's easy to stay home for two or three years. Right. Then something catastrophic happens in your life and then, you you know, you come back. So let's say you do come back and then somebody says something like this. Hey, how you doing? I ain't seen you in a long time. You know, I, I thought maybe you were going somewhere else. Now you, you, you're back defensive again. Right. What they mean? I ain't been here for a long time. They should have just came and welcomed me and said, "I'm glad to see you." That, you know, right. and so the devil just gave you another reason why you shouldn't be there. 
you know. And, and, and again, it's, it's, it's almost as like we're always looking for a reason why God or a reason why uh, it should be to our, we should get something when we're there rather than we should give something when we're there. It's like the old saying, if you don't put anything in, you're not yeah. going to get anything yes. out. It's, it's, you know, it's not like it's rocket science. If you don't put anything, you're not getting anything out of it. And, and, and the more you put in, the more you get out. If, if the pastor preaches, then let's say you don't read what he just preached on. Well, you know, you're not going to get everything out of it that you should have gotten. Right. And, and, and so you have to go back and you have to reread what he just preached on. It's the same thing about Bible study. If you don't come to Bible study, you're not going to get what you need to keep you going. You know, uh, a, a wise preacher, um, uh, Dr. Venable, um, said this uh, to me a long time ago, early in my ministry. He said that church is like a service station. We don't have service stations anymore, but it used to be the time, you know, when you took your car in, right. someone came out, you know, <laughs> yeah. and pumped your gas and washed your windshield and checked right. the fluid and all those kind of things. So he said the church is like a filling station. He said that, you know, you come in, sometimes you're all empty and sometimes you're half full. Right. He said, but whenever you come, you're, you know, you, you're getting topped off. So you have enough to keep you going a little bit further. He said, if you don't come in when you're all empty or when you're half full, once you run empty, that means like the, the spirit is gone from you. So you don't even feel the need to come back in and, 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 you know, and get filled up again. Right. He said, so you have to keep full. You have to stay full in order for you to have that continual desire. And I think that's the problem with many of us is that we, once God, you know, one preacher uh, who, who, who's, you know, he preached to someone one time said, it's dangerous blessing Negroes. <laughs> he didn't say Negroes, but, you know. <laughs> and, and, and I got to tell you, um, it's the same thing the Israelites, you know. Right. God blessed them what they do. Right. They, they went away from him. Right. And that's another thing. See, God will bless us. And then we'll outgrow God, you know, in a sense, you know, right. so we'll go off and do our thing or we'll go somewhere else and, and not realizing that the, the God that put position you there, position you there for a reason, yeah. you know, and so you don't just walk away, you stay right there and God will continue to bless you and God will continue to do for you because God doesn't just bless you on Sunday morning. That's the fallacy that people have. Right. God blesses you seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And when you're obedient to God from that standpoint, the blessings will continue to come. Yeah. One thing I, I, I will also say that in um, meeting with you and the study in the Bible, one thing I've, I've come to understand is where I'm at presently is where I'm supposed to be at. Mm -hmm. And it took me a while to understand that, oh, man, I'm supposed to be doing this. I'm supposed to be doing that. But now I'm actually where God wants me to be. Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. And it, and, it, and when you figure that out, this uh, peace comes over you. You're like, okay, I'm at where I'm supposed to be at. Mm -hmm. I'll keep working, but the door will open when it's supposed to open. Yeah, and you know, I, what, I, what I wonder is that, let's say, you know, um, if, when God blesses me and I say, well, you know, let's, let's say I'm doing real bad, for example. And so I come to church. And, you know, the Lord blesses me. The Lord mends my relationship, gets my family back on track. And, 
and, and gets my job back on track. And so now I'm doing okay, right? Now, so now that I'm doing okay in my relationship and, you know, got everything that's going on, I decided, well, you know what? Um, I always wanted season tickets to, you know, um, football game. Now I can afford it. So I'll just make sure I, I go, but I'll be back when the season's over with, right? Now, but once I get out there and once I stay out there for a while, you know, it's easy for me to have to figure out another reason why I should stay out there. Right. And and the thing that, you know, I I um, I, 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 I don't quite get from people is that <clears throat> if you are blessed where you are and if coming and doing something has got you back where you are, then why would you walk away from that thinking that God doesn't know you? Right. You know, it's almost like we don't think God knows us enough to position us where he wants us to be. Is that we feel like we need to make a decision. And that's what the Israelites did. You know, they felt like they needed to make a decision. So they went to what felt good, mm-hmm. thinking that just because it feels good, that it is good. But that's not necessarily the case. Right. And oftentimes the best place for you was where you were because God knew you should be there. And, you know, in the first place, it's like people will say, well, you know, um, God gave me this person, let's say, you know, God put this person in my life. Right. Then they divorced five years later. Wait a minute. If God put them there for you, why are you walking away from them just because you're having problems with them? Right. As if God didn't know that that you were going to have some problems. It's the same thing about worship, the same thing about, you know, serving God. Even if you do come to church and there are some people that you don't like, well, uh, that's why they came to church, too. They didn't come to (laughs) church because they were perfect. Right. They came because they had problems, too. You know, they they may have been mean-spirited and they say, I need to get myself together. That's why they came. Right. You know, no one in that church is a perfect individual. So, you you know, you, you can't. Well, there, those are a bunch of devils in there. I'm going somewhere else. Or I, I'm just not going to church, period, because, you know, I can stay at home and worship God. And, you know, and the Lord know the Lord understands. He know my spirit. Da, 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 da. Well, you know, generally speaking, all those that are coming to church are people that, you know, need help from God. Right. All right. So for people that are backsliding, you basically your suggestion is come back to church and try to give versus looking to get. Right. You know, I would say to anyone, you know, I know we kind of call it backsliding, you know, and, and I guess maybe that is a, a good way to a good term for it. I just don't want people to feel like they're being put on the spot. You know, right. when they do when they do come back, you know, uh, because it is home. But you should always feel comfortable coming home. What I would say to anyone is, is that the key is to to remain active in your church. You know, there's always something um, that you can do. And I think that the more active you are in the church, the less likely you are to go get out of the church. So, you know, when you join a church, um, you know, don't just stick with the traditional things, you know, singing on the choir, you know, on the usher board. But look at those other ministries um, where you can, you know, assist, you know, come to Bible study, um, you know, work with the, you know, work with the missionaries, work with the youth, do something. And, and don't just wait for someone else to take the lead. You know, 
realize that someone led you, someone helped you. And so if someone helped you take the lead and help somebody else, you know, but oftentimes what we do is we sit back and say, well, there's no one else doing it right now. But if it needs to be done, you know, just step out and help. You know, I I know when I was um, uh, 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 about nine or 10 years old, Neighborhood we lived in, right across the street, you know, pretty segregated neighborhood, by the way. Right. <laughs> but right across the street, we live, we live like right on the line, for example. You know, whites on one side, blacks on one side. And there was there was an Episcopal church, nice big Episcopal church. No, I'm sorry, Lutheran, nice big Lutheran church that was there. And 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 this 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 young couple um, came out one one day, and they had a cooler full of um, ice cream cups. You know, right. and there's two of them. And they just start handing them out to us, you know. And so they gave them to us, and we just noticed that they they said, "Well, we'll be back. To, we'll be back, you know, tomorrow." And and at the same time, and so the next day they handed them out again. We we got them, just ran away. The next day they came back and they started talking to us. So we decided, okay, we just sit here and talk for a while. Right. And then they started talking to us about the Bible. And then they told us to invite our friends, and we started inviting our friends, and they kept. You know, put us in a little circle, and every every afternoon at two o'clock, they would hand out those cups of ice creams, and they would just talk to us. You know, uh, and we didn't give it a second thought. And then one day, they gave us permission slips and said, "You know, ask your parents if they might we take you out to the beach." And we was like, "Yeah, most definitely." Right. You know, we went home, and you know, and uh, we we um, um, signed the signatures ourselves, and then they asked us. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 it took us. Four at a time, you know, to the beach in, right. in, in their station wagon. And, you know, I'm saying that was their ministry, you know, because they saw that there was a need. Right. Oftentimes what we look for is that, well, I, there has to be something formalized that I have to do. No, if there is a need, you know, mentor someone, you know, mm-hmm. uh, do those things that you know would have helped you along. Rather than always looking to get, look to give. Right. And the more you give, the more you will uh, get feel that you are part of the ministry, but also the more you will feel you are part of God. Right. All right, Pastor, is there anything else you'd like to say before we close out? No, I think we did a mouthful today. Oh, I think we covered quite a few. Yes, things. we did cover quite a few. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast. This is your CB Baker. Next.